Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to look at Syrah, or Shiraz, one of the great black grape varieties of the world, planted in many different countries, most importantly in the Northern Rhone, with appellations such as Cote Hermitage, and Cornas but also used in blends in the Southern Rhone with Grenache and Mulvedra and other Mediterranean grape varieties. And of course, also planted widely in Australia, where it's the most planted grape variety and is called Shiraz. And we'll also find Syrah or Shiraz in South Africa, Chile, a little bit in Argentina, and in California and in Washington state too. So a great variety that's planted in some pretty important and prestigious wine regions, some which are very historically based and others which are developing and using Syrah slash Shiraz as the base for um, future developments in those wine regions. So why is it sometimes called Syrah and sometimes called Shiraz? Well, let's turn to James Busby, who's considered the founding father of Australian wine, although vines were planted before his influence was felt. But back in 1824, he wrote a book called treatise on the culture of the vine, which he wrote in a five-month journey from the UK to Australia. And this was a serious 250-page scientific investigation into winemaking, because he seriously believed that grape growing and winemaking in Australia had a very important part to play in the development of the fledgling country's economy and culture. In fact, he wrote, it is my belief that no greater service could be rendered to this colony than to induce its inhabitants to cultivate the vine. His aim in writing the book was partly partly moral. He wanted to dissuade the new inhabitants of Australia from drinking too many spirits. But cultivating the vine would allow Australia to rival the countries of Europe and give it an industry that Britain itself could not develop. And it was certainly a prescient vision of Australia that Busby had, because now Australian wine is the number one wine drunk in the UK. That book, though, was pretty long and pretty serious, and not many people actually read it, so he shortened it into a manual of plain directions for planting and cultivating vineyards and for making wine in New South Wales. Ironically, the shorter book had a longer title. And this was very successful in um, providing some some simple instructions on how to plant grapes and how to make wine successfully. On the back of all this, Busby was commissioned to return to Europe to look for grape varieties that would succeed in Australia's warm climate. And so Busby travelled through Spain and through France. He took cuttings from those countries, as well as um, botanical gardens in Montpellier, in Paris and in London. But most importantly, most significantly, he took cuttings from the hill of Hermitage in northern Rome. And the cuttings he took were of Syrah or Shiraz. Although once he returned to Australia, his cuttings were overlooked and not really cultivated as well as they should have been. Nevertheless, the Shiraz and Chardonnay that exists in Australia is mainly derived from Busby's original cuttings. Part of the reason why these cuttings weren't used as well as they should have been is that Busby was commissioned to go to New Zealand to negotiate with the Maoris, a very dodgy treaty, not like the British to negotiate a controversial treaty. And he actually was the first person to plant a vineyard in New Zealand, near Auckland, and that was destroyed by Maoris after they realised the treaty um, screwed them over. But that's another story. But Busby's cuttings do tell us quite a bit about why Sarah is called Shiraz in Australia, because the legend that he relates is that the Hill of Hermitage was has a chapel at the top, which is true. It was established by a hermit who, was retu- who returned from the Crusades, 
in the 1100s and built the chapel on top of the hill and lived there until the rest of his life on his own. And that's why the hill is called Hermitage. But the legend grew that he had taken plantings from the city of Shiraz, which is the center of Iranian grape growing to this day, and had planted them around his chapel. And that's why the grape is called Shiraz, because it's believed that the grape actually came from the city of Shiraz. And this is something that was still believed or half believed up until the 1980s at least. So when James Busby went to Hermitage, the grape variety was not actually called Syrup. That is a late 19th century spelling or variation in France. So in some respects, the name Shiraz actually predates Syrup. But it was called Syrah, Syraz, and other variants, all derived from the name Shiraz. But there's no truth to any of this, that the, the grape may come from Iran or Persia, as it, as it then was. But it gives the, but it is the reason why the grape is called what it is, and why it's called Shiraz in Australia, and also why it's called Syrah in France. It derives from that Shiraz um, derivation. But in the 1990s, it was found through DNA testing that Syrah is actually a natural crossing of Dereza, which comes from the Ardèche, which is to the west of the Northern Rhone, and Mondeuse Blanche, which comes from Savoie, which is to the east of the Northern Rhone. And although these aren't particularly famous grape varieties, they somehow combined naturally through cross-pollination to produce what is now known as Syrah. Another name for Syrah in the Northern Rhone is Serene, which is what it's known as in the Cote Roti. And this is a, an historic name for the grape variety, but it's now used to differentiate it from the different clones of Syrah which have been developed over the last 30 to 40 years in the Northern Rhone. And there is much dispute about these clones because it is believed that they produce quite homogenous wines rather than the detailed expression of terroir in the very famous appellations of Cote Roti, Hermitage and Cornasse. And so calling the grape variety Serene in Routine is, is saying that this is an historic version of Syrah rather than these clonal versions which have become quite homogenous, easier to grow, fruitier in their style and less expressive of terroir. So this is a big debate about Syrah using the Massal Selection, so using the grapes which are already in the vineyard, selecting the best vines to cultivate them to um, really produce the best wine, or simply planting clones which have been developed in the nursery to produce a more consistent style. So it's not just about the name of Syrah slash Shiraz, it's also about the style of wine that it makes, how producers plant it, how it expresses terroir, whether going for a lighter, leaner style, a more tannic style, a more a fruitier style, a meatier style, a pepper, pe more peppery style. This is all in the clonal selection, or the historic plantings, the old vines, and also the producer's choice. And so Syrah, like other great varieties like Pinot Noir, really does express terroir, not just in the sense of land, but also in the sense of what the winemaker or the grape grower chooses to do in the vineyard and in the winery. So let's look at the different regions. In France, it's the Northern Rhone. And this historically has been as far north in France as Syrah will reliably ripen. So for Syrah itself, it's an extreme climate, which is where this really high quality, defined style of wine comes from, rather like Pinot Noir in Burgundy. As climate change develops, it's possible that Syrah will be grown further north than the Northern Rhone, potentially in Beaujolais, 
And I certainly heard rumours that producers are going to plant syrup or already have been planting syrup in Beaujolais. Similar soil type and as climate change warms the environment up, it may be possible to get really high quality syrup in Beaujolais. And maybe one day it will even navigate to Burgundy, changing times. But the Northern Rhone is south of Lyon. The Rhone River starts in Switzerland near Geneva and winds its way down to Lyon where it converges with the, the River Saône, which is the river that runs through Beaujolais. And the confluence of those two rivers in Lyon is a very beautiful and quietly dramatic sight. And then the Rhone meanders south all the way down to near the Mediterranean Sea where it kind of finishes in um, a stagnant estuary. But most importantly in the Northern Rhone, that River Rhone zigzags back and forth and that creates very steep slopes on the banks of the river, which is really important in these extreme growing conditions for the grape variety. And these slopes have the perfect aspect, the perfect elevation, and the perfect soil types, granite, rocky soils. And so you have the perfect combination of getting that sun exposure to get the grapes fully ripe, but the rocky soils to, to ensure that the vines dig deep so that the roots find the water. So it's not easy growing conditions, but nevertheless, the grapes will get just about fully ripe. The most northerly of these appellations is coat roti, which means roasted slope. And that gives an indication of how important the slope is to that appellation, as well as other appellations in the Northern Rome. That slope is just receiving all the sunshine to get that full ripeness for syrup. And coat roti is as far north in France for any quality appellation for syrup. Such as the extremity of the growing conditions in Cote Roti, that 20% Viognier is allowed to be added to the blend. So Viognier, an aromatic, medium acid, white grape variety, which is grown in neighboring Condria. Although it's not used that much in Cote Roti as part of the blend, some producers will add four to 5% to the blend. And the reason Viognier is allowed in the blend is to stabilize color, soften the tannins, as well as to add aromatics. But it's most important for its structural influence on syrup. And that's because historically, the tannins of syrup in Cote Roti could be quite astringent. So adding Viognier was actually necessary to stabilize and improve the wine. And in Australia, this practice has been turned into a trend in making Shiraz slash Viognier blends, just adding more aromatics, more of a stylistic choice rather than an actual uh, structural choice. Those wines can be extremely pretty, and you might find that in California and in Washington state as well. A general trend in the Northern Rhone is whether to do the traditional kind of multi-vineyard blending, whether it's in Cote Roti or in Hermitage, to produce a consistent balanced wine, or to make single vineyard wines, a trend that has begun since the 1980s. And the 1980s is really when the Northern Rhone reinvented itself. It's quite, it's a region which had often been overlooked. It's a very difficult region to, to grow grapes in, but certain producers in the different appellations really invi reinvigorated the region by introducing modern winemaking techniques. And one of those would be to make single vineyard wines as you would have in Burgundy, for instance. This is something that also happened in, Bar in Barolo in Italy. To produce a more expressive, substantial style of wine, which would vary from year to year to express the terroir. And vineyards in Cote Roti would include Cote Blonde or Cote Brune. And so Blonde, a bit more delicate, a bit more elegant. Brune, a bit more robust, a bit fruitier. Um, kind of evidenced in the name of the vineyards, 
as to whether to blend those vineyards together or to produce single vineyard expressions was um, a trend that still kind of divides winemaking attitudes and also consumer attitudes towards the wines. And then whether to use new oak or old oak would be another issue too. Moving further south is Hermitage. This is the most prestigious appellation in the Northern Rhone. So prestigious that in the 19th century, Bordeaux producers would buy Syrah from Hermitage and blend it into their wines to give more colour, more tannin and more substance to the wines which could otherwise be a little bit dilute. And then to the south, the most southerly part of the Northern Rhone is Cornas. And this is the only region where white wine cannot be used in the blend. So in Hermitage, it could be it could be up to 20% Marsan or Roussan for similar reasons as Cote Roti, though much more unusual to actually do that. Cornas, none of that is allowed, and that's because these, these grapes get fully ripe, and so it's a more opulent style, and it doesn't need any white wine to balance the structure and nature of the wine. In all these three instances, these wines can be aged for many, many years. They'll be meaty and peppery, earthy, gamey, with that tannic structure and acidity to last for a long time. It can be quite difficult to drink when they're young, although modern wine-making techniques and a warmer climate means that they're a bit fruitier than they perhaps once were, which means that they can be drunk younger. But I would still prefer to drink these wines at least 10 years old. A couple of other appellations in the Northern Rhone include Croz Hermitage, which is a large region which lies at the slopes of Hermitage and where quality can vary. On the flatter plateau of Croz Hermitage, the wines can be a little simple, quite fruity, but lacking that concentration and tannic structure of, that you would find in Hermitage on the slopes. However, there is some very good wine being made in Croz Hermitage. The wines are much more affordable than the other three major appellations. And once you get onto the slopes of Crow's Hermitage, there's some really good quality wine being made, sometimes by Hermitage producers as kind of an introductory level, with a bit more tannic structure and a bit more freshness to them. Likewise in Saint-Joseph, which lies on the, the west side of the River Rhone, and which is a very narrow but long appellation, and so there's a lot of variety to Saint-Joseph, which means you're never quite sure what you're getting unless you know the producer. And again, on the flatter terrain, the wines can be a little simple and a little overpriced, quite fruity. Whereas on the slopes, you have a similar style to the more expensive wines of Cote Routy or Hermitage, with a nice floral fruitiness to the wines. So it is about knowing the producer and where the wine comes from. Whereas Cote Routy, Hermitage and Cornas are small appellations which are much more concentrated. In the Southern Rhone, it is possible to find 100% Syrah. It does happen often labelled as Vin de France, and these will be jammier and fruitier and riper. So in that warm climate, it's not as extreme. Getting Syrah ripe is not as difficult, and so the wines can be much more straightforward, although a lot of fun. Generally, it's used in a blend. In the last episode of the podcast, I talked about Grenache, and Syrah provides the perfect complement to Grenache because it has higher acidity, it has higher tannins, and it has black fruits, and just adds complexity to the wine, although only used in small amounts, maybe 20 to 30%. In Languedoc, um, producers may experiment with 100% syrup because producers there are extremely experimental, but again, a bit of a jammier, fruitier style. In Italy, syrup can be used as part of uh, Super Tuscans, though in Tuscany, I don't think syrup works as well as Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot. In fact, I would say Merlot is the best Bordeaux variety 
in that region, even if it's not the most highly esteemed, the syrah there can just be a bit too weighty. Moving away from Europe into Australia, which is the, the most important country for Syrah or Shiraz, as I mentioned, the most planted grape variety in Australia, dating back to those cuttings that James Busby brought back from Europe in the early 1830s. So really um, strongly connected to Australia's winemaking and grape growing history. James Busby himself established a vineyard in Hunter Valley, just north of Sydney, a very unusual region. It's almost subtropical and certainly not ideal for grape growing, and yet has established a reputation as one of Australia's premier regions, partly because James Busby planted there, partly because it's so near Sydney, and still an important tourist destination for Sydney locals. The semi on there is unique, but the Syrah there is also quite interesting, because the very warm climate, and also the possibility of storms and hail during harvest, means that the grapes are picked quite early, but still having ripeness because of the warm climate. So what you get with Shiraz in Hunter Valley is quite an earthy, meaty style of Shiraz, which isn't as high in alcohol as one would expect from such a warm climate, and can actually be quite age-worthy. And that meatiness and earthiness could easily lead a taster to conclude that it's actually from the Northern Rhone. So very unusual growing conditions to produce that style of wine when if you visit Hunter Valley you would expect really full, big, high alcohol wines, but that earlier picking just changes the style of wine. But the most famous region in Australia for Shiraz is Barossa Valley, which is in South Australia, just north of Adelaide. Again the climate is warm, but it's Mediterranean, so you get these warm, dry summers, slightly wetter winters hopefully, but cooler nights as well, so ideal growing conditions. And these wines are going to be much fruitier, much higher in alcohol in the Northern Rome, and not having that same peppery um, character to them. But nevertheless, still having the ripe tannic structure and the fresh acidity to make these wines extremely ageable. Regions around Barossa Valley also produce premium Shiraz, so just north of Barossa Valley is Clare Valley, a region which is famous for Riesling at higher altitude, but slightly, down, slightly lower down the slopes, very good elegant Shiraz is made as well, so altitude is quite important there, whereas Barossa it's more the cool breezes coming in from the ocean to the south. Regional differences in location according to elevation or sea influence. And then just to the east of Barossa Valley is Eden Valley, where lies the Hill of Grace, one of the great vineyards of Australia, with plantings of Shiraz dating back to the 1850s. So again, these wines really do express the history of Australia, whether it's in their style, in the vineyard plantings, or just in the culture of Australian winemaking. And Eden Valley is a little higher altitude than Barossa, so the wines are a little more elegant and a little more in finesse, though still going to be quite full-bodied and fruity. South of these regions is McLaren Vale, where Shiraz is also made. This is a region where the grapes were generally historically grown for bulk winemaking. Australia has a strong history of regional blending and McLaren Vale would be the base of that. But now it's re-emerged as a high quality region. A Mediterranean climate again, strongly influenced by the ocean because it's right by it. Although I would say that in this region it's other Rhone varieties or Mediterranean varieties like Grenache, which work a little better because it is still quite warm. 
though it does depend where those grape varieties are planted because the word vale gives an indication that this is a valley and there are higher altitude plantings and then those on the valley floor which produce quite different styles of wine. South Australia is really the historic centre of quality Australian winemaking. Despite Hunter Valley being one of the first regions to be planted, South Australia is centred around the city of Adelaide and this is where you really find these classic expressions of Shiraz, everything you expect of Australian Shiraz. Meaty, bulky, barbecue, wine, fruity, ripe, but with that real tannic and acidic structure. Quite different from the Northern Rhone, and yet there is an overlap in the style of the wines. Moving eastwards to Victoria, one classic region, and there are actually many, but one classic region is Yarra Valley, which is a was considered too cool for quality wine. This is just northeast of Melbourne. And although plantings were in the, there in the 60s and 70s, it's only in the last 20 years it's been acknowledged as being a really high quality region. And you'll find a vast array of grape varieties in this small valley. Pinot Noir on the slopes or higher altitude, and then Shiraz and Cabernet Sauvignon on the valley floor. And the Shiraz here is quite elegant, representative of a cooler climate, with more of a peppery style that we associate with cooler climate Shiraz. And then going further northeast is Canberra, which I produce, which I think produces extremely good Shiraz. Uh, Canberra is the capital city of Australia, even though it's quite small compared to the other cities like Sydney and Melbourne. And it's a little bit inland, but not too much. And it has a cool climate, strongly influenced by the ocean. And the Shiraz here is really lean, although it's ripe. There's a leanness to the wines, which is very attractive and I think Canberra, although these wines can be dismissed by um, Australian consumers, the Shiraz in Canberra is actually very appealing because it's not too ripe and not too fruity and not too big and not too high in alcohol. Fits in much more with international trends as I would argue Yarra Valley does as well. And then moving much further westwards to Western Australia, there's Shiraz planted there in Margaret River which is the most prestigious region of Western Australia I don't think the Shiraz works particularly well, can be a bit dilute and a bit boring. I think that's partly because of the climate, it's partly because of the soils. The conditions there are much more suited to Bordeaux varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon and to Chardonnay as well. But a bit further to the southeast of Margaret River is the Great Southern region. And in particular, Mount Barker is very good for Shiraz. So what you find with Western Australia is that near the coast it's Mediterranean, strong ocean influence, but very quickly as you go inland it becomes more continental. And Mount Barker is the perfect bridge between that Mediterranean and continental climate and produces quite peppery Shiraz, quite different from the rest of Australia and very appealing because it's peppery, it's fruity, ticks a lot of boxes. And one important factor in Australia, particularly in Barossa Valley and surrounding regions, is the use of oak. So the great wine of Australia, well, one of the great wines of Australia is Penfold's Grange, which was first made in the 1950s, and it's about 98% Shiraz in general, with 2% Cabernet Sauvignon. But when that wine was made, it was one of the first dry, non-fortified wines to be made in Australia. And the history is kind of complicated and a bit controversial, but it emerged as one of the finest wines that really led the direction of, of Australia's winemaking culture. But at the time, French oak was too expensive for a wine that people were not going to drink because people were still drinking fortified wine. So American oak was used, rather like what happened in Rioja um, post phylloxera in the 19th century. The money wasn't there for French oak, so use American oak instead because it's cheaper. 
and that really adds to the style of these wines because American oak is a bit more assertive in the aromas it gives to a wine. Phil, dennel, coconut, butterscotch aromas, but a bit more different from the subtle aromas and the grainy texture which comes from French oak. So for some people it's a bit too aggressive, a bit too assertive, but it is part of the style of many Shiraz which is made in Australia. Whereas maybe more contemporary producers who aren't based on tradition but more international trends will use French oak which will have a more will have that grainy texture and a spiciness to them. And so two different styles of Australian Shiraz depending on the winemaking, the culture and the history. But the Mer- American oak is more likely to be from an area like Barossa Valley rather than Great Southern in Western Australia. So Northern Rhone in France and Australia are the two classic regions slash countries for Syrah slash Shiraz, but it is planted elsewhere in the world. Staying in the general vicinity of Australia, we move to New Zealand, which is about 2,000 kilometres southeast of Australia, but nevertheless, the two countries are often linked together, though they have a lot of differences. Syrah is not a great variety naturally associated with New Zealand. We think Sauvignon Blanc and then Pinot Noir, but in Hawke's Bay, particularly in Gimlet Gravels, Syrah is really important, and actually this is a style of wine which wine institutions like the WSET or the MW often test students on, because it's important, but it's not something that you find that often. And But it could be that in the future, especially with climate change, Syrah from Hawke's Bay will become more commonly found around the world, because quality is very high. This is the warmest part of New Zealand, protected from the maritime influence coming in from the west because it is um, on the eastern side of the North Island, and so it's drier as well as warmer. This is one of the few regions in New Zealand where you'll find Bordeaux grape varieties, particularly Merlot, indicating that it has a slightly warmer climate than the rest of the country. And the soils here, as Gimlet gravels indicate, are quite rocky and gravelly and stony. And this again aids ripening, uh, just drawing in that heat and then radiating it when conditions cool down to prolong that ripening season so it's possible to get Syrah fully ripe. But also making the, the vines work to dig deeper into the soil to find water. And generally New Zealand has quite fertile, high vigour soil so that's, that's quite important and quite unusual. So in terms of New Zealand, Syrah here is quite distinctive and unusual, and in terms of the world of wine, it's quite unusual as well, because New Zealand really sits, in general, in terms of its climate and its winemaking style, kind of halfway between the old world and the new world, a real ripe, pure, fruity style of wine, and yet more reserved and lower in alcohol and higher in acidity than other new world regions. And Syrah here has the smoky meatiness we'd expect from a moderate climate Syrah, with relatively high acidity and a firm tannic structure, but with a nice ripe fruitiness to it as well. So a little fuller and more floral and a little more maybe aromatic than you would find in the Northern Rhone and not as robust or rustic. And some of these wines can be quite expensive. It is a region which is emerging with a high quality um, reputation. So moving away from New Zealand, but staying in the Southern Hemisphere, we can go to South Africa where the grape variety is sometimes called Syrah and sometimes called Shiraz. In general, that will indicate the style of wine. The Syrah will be a bit more reserved, a bit more refined maybe, not quite as fruity, whereas the Shiraz will be made in a more Australian manner, a bit more upfront, higher in alcohol and fruitier. 
One particularly good region for Cirrus Thlasheraz in South Africa is Elim, and this is um, east of Walker Bay on the coast. The rain generally falls on the mountains just above the region, and so it is protected even though it's exposed to the coast and it's on slopes. It's getting that southerly exposure, so you can get the grapes fully ripe, but the rain actually falls higher up, and so it maintains a dryness so that the ripening conditions are not affected and disease is not an issue. And the grape and the grapes are going to get fully ripe. And the Shiraz slash Syrah of Elim is quite fruity and aromatic, perfumed and floral, very, very pretty with a nice ripe jamminess to them. And then going across to South America is found in Chile, particularly in Coquimbo, uh, to the north of the country, where the wines will be uh, quite peppery. It's quite dry conditions here, which is why the region hasn't really developed as one would have hoped, but different from the really warm Mediterranean climate of Central Valley in Chile, and so getting more of a lean style. And then across the Andes in Argentina, you find Syrah in San Juan, which is north of Mendoza and produces some pretty good Syrah, which is quite characteristic of the grape variety in a warmer climate. Nice and fruity, but floral, with firm tannins and refreshing acidity. And then finally, looking at the USA, in California, California has had a difficult relationship with Rhone grape varieties, really focusing its, its foundation on Bordeaux varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon and Burgundy varieties like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. But California has a moderate to warm Mediterranean climate and is therefore well suited to Rhone varieties such as Syrah. And there is a renewed focus after many years of campaigning by groups like the Rhone Rangers on making really good quality Syrah. And so you'll find it um, here where I'm based at Sonoma County. Very specifically, I live in Petaluma and the new Petaluma Gap AVA has great potential for Syrah. Uh, Petaluma Gap is named after the wind that blows through the hills that surround Petaluma and which can get funneled into Russian River Valley, cooling the climate there, but really cooling the climate in Petaluma quite significantly. And so you have warm, sunny days, but quite cool nights and good diurnal temperature variation, which produces these really peppery syrup, which I would highly recommend, and hopefully these will become more widely available on the market. Also find syrup in Pazarobles, which has really built its reputation on Rhone varieties, although there's a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon planted there as well. But this is one of the first regions in California back in the 70s and 80s to really concentrate on Rhone varieties and Syrah in particular. And these will be fruity, quite high in alcohol, quite jammy, more like a Syrah from the Languedoc or the Southern Rhone than one from the Northern Rhone. Napa Valley arguably has a climate more suited to Syrah than it does to Cabernet Sauvignon, but of course Cabernet Sauvignon dominates. But any Syrah found in Napa Valley or in the warmer parts of Sonoma are going to be really fruity and opulent, really aromatic and jammy, and actually quite irresistible, it has to be said, with their fruity, floral, perfumed aromatics. Finally, going into Washington State, which has great potential for Rhone varieties in general, with a moderate to warm continental climate, with warm days and cool nights in their near-desert conditions, quite dry, some sandy soils, Phylloxera has appeared in Washington but is still very limited, and the area which really specialises in Syrah is Walla Walla, and then the subzone of the Rocks District, which is literally named after the rocks, which are rather like the Galais of Chateauneuf-de-Pape, 
So it's a very rocky, pebbly um, area. It's actually located solely in Oregon, but is really considered a Washington wine region. Likewise, Walla Walla straddles the Columbia River. So some of it's in Washington, some of it's in Oregon, but it's really considered a Washington um, AVA. And the syrup produced here, again, is ripe, but it's really smoky and meaty. Again, Washington, rather like New Zealand, kind of cross, is a kind of crossover between old world styles and new world styles, having the fruit of California, but the acidity and tannic structure of European wines. And so these wines can be exceptional with a nice pepperiness to it, as we keep emphasizing with Syrah, but with that acid, tannic structure and ripe fruit aromas, wines definitely worth looking out for. So that is Syrah slash Shiraz. Those two names are important because they do kind of define where the wine comes from and what it might taste like, part of the culture and history of the grape growing conditions in the regions where they come from. A huge amount of diversity, regionality, as well as small appellations as well, really reflects where it comes from. And in general, Syrah and Shiraz will have that meaty, bacon, peppery, blackberry characteristic with firm tannins and refreshing acidity, but it will really change according to the region, whether it's really fruity or not so fruity, really aromatic and expressive or a bit more muted. One of the great, great varieties of the world which really reflects where it comes from. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. Thank you.